Man, between the two of us, we we have seen a lot of movies this week, haven't we? Well, between mostly you. <laughs> yeah, mostly me. Because you've seen a few, and I've only seen one. True. Some of them were not in theaters. Some of them were other ones, but still. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I am Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. Exactly. <laughs> I've actually cast my net a little wider this week for new stuff. Okay. This also means some of it's not fully 100% confirmed, but I got a good feeling. Alrighty. We're gonna start with dumb stuff from Ubisoft. I mean, that's every week it feels like, though. <laughs> yeah, well, this one is, uh, this one's pretty awful. Alrighty. The CEO of Ubisoft, Yves Gilmot, or however you pronounce it, mm -hmm. sent out an email to the company, which told staff that the ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time and at the expected level of quality after the bunch of delays had weighed on our costs and decreased our associated revenues. Get the f*** He told staff, <laughs> it's not, I'm not done. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> also, I'm gonna have to bleep that, thanks. Sorry. No, it's fine. He also said... He needed the staff's full energy and commitment to make sure that Ubisoft gets back on the path to success. Okay. Well. And then he implored staff. Yeah, oh no, it, it just keeps getting worse. But wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah. He asked staff to be especially careful and strategic with their spending and initiatives so the company is being as efficient and lean as possible. Bear in mind, even taking a pay cut, he made. 624,000, what is that, euro? I think that's euro. Mm -hmm. I'm bad with symbols, around 675k. Yeah, it's like, oh, you gotta be lean. Forget the, the meat with fat in it, you're gonna have to go with that lean beef. Can you believe that? The, <laughs> the, the millionaire CEO mm. sending that shit out. If you're trying to motivate your staff, I feel like that's a really piss poor way of doing it. And it's also a thing of, okay, you're putting way too much weight of this on your staff there's no such thing as perfection and if ubisoft is really in the toilet to that degree where an email like that needs to be sent up some self-reflection might be necessary my guy right what a what uh <laughs> what do you think that's gonna do except motivate some people right out the door i mean hey it worked out for Activale. wait a second <laughs> oh bad form bad form Referencing, by the way, not current Activision, but how Activision became a thing after the Atari company screwed them over for their own developments. So How the tables turned... Yeah. Yeah. Learning about history is apparently really hard for some of these like multi-million dollar individuals. Learning about anything is hard for some of these multi-million dollar individuals. Yeah, especially like lessons learned at the very beginning of the industry that they currently partake in. It's like, guys, you got you were given an entire blueprint by a different multi-billion dollar company on how not to fuck up. And you do it anyway. <laughs> Impressive, I know. Mm. It also kind of makes it sound like the situation in Ubisoft in general, not just with like Ubisoft made like their sister studios and subsidiaries and all that, isn't exactly the greatest. If I'm someone who's working there, who's getting kind of a, a very definition of passive aggressive while still being quite aggressive email like that and i'm like all right that's that no <laughs> get it i'm jumping ship like, yeah especially with all the news of like um pro unannounced projects being cut and see and it wasn't sea of thieves but 
the Pirates game as like a spinoff of Assassin's Creed 4 that apparently has been delayed seven times already. Oh, uh, what was it, Skull and Bones? Yeah, that being delayed again. At that point, I'd be like, okay, this is this is not a good ship. This ship is being kept afloat by like very poorly tied together bundles of euros. And that's about it. I If it was me, I would be tempted to cut and run. Oh, definitely. Here's something that goes from video game into movie. Okay. It was already confirmed that Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, the first one, was going to be stepping in to finish reshoots on Eli Roth's Borderlands movie. It's been so long since I even heard anything about that movie. <laughs> well, Ugh. keep waiting, because mm. we're not here to talk about that. The reason why Eli Roth is handing off the reins on those reshoots is because Eli Roth is going to make a Thanksgiving horror movie. Okay, I saw through Thanksgiving with you. So immediately my brain's like, oh, please, no, no. We never sat through the whole thing, did we? No, but I didn't need to. <laughs> nah, you're right. <laughs> there was a certain point with a very particular theme or scene where I'm like, you know, I don't think I can get anything else out of this movie. <laughs> I don't think there's anything like new or whatever that I could get. It was, it. You got stuffed, wasn't it? Yes, it was. After yeah, I thought I remember that, right? <laughs> after that, I was just like... That was literally the Spongebob meme of, I, I'm a head out. <laughs> like, I can't get any... There is nothing else of value that I could get from that movie, and if there was something else after that that was, then I would be... I think my faith in humanity would have actually been destroyed. <laughs> well, in this case, it's significant because back in the day, mm -hmm. there was a movie called Grindhouse. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it was a double feature kind of thing. With Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror and Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Okay. And between those movies, there were a couple of fake coming attraction trailers. Hmm. And Eli Roth did one about Thanksgiving, and it was supposed to be a holiday-themed slasher movie. Okay. It included stuff like a cheerleader bouncing on a trampoline and then doing a split onto a knife. Oh, I did not need to. Don't, oh. don't worry, you didn't actually see it. We didn't actually see it. No, but I I, I, I am the opposite sex, and I still hurt thinking about that. <laughs> That's fair. Anyways, this, I don't know. I haven't seen an Eli Roth movie I've liked yet. Mm. So I'm very skeptical. Fair enough. But I do like me some holiday horror. <laughs> also fair enough. <laughs> At least when you do it good, God damn it! <laughs> Why did Christmas bloody Christmas have to suck so bad? It was it because it sucked or because we were spoiled by Violet Night? Well, Violet Night wasn't horror. It was just holiday action. Well, I was going to say secret answer C, all of the above. <laughs> and it was just that. The mean one also sucked. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Still love how we're sitting there, like, watching the trailer for it in the theater, and I just start laughing because it's like, this is so stupid. I can't take this seriously anymore. <laughs> what, the mean one? Yeah. Yeah, what? no. <laughs> you were right not to take it seriously. <laughs> but that doesn't make it funny, either. No. Did you know that Glenn Powell and Leonardo DiCaprio were working on a live-action Captain Planet movie? A I'm sorry, I kind of spaced out on all of that when I heard live-action Captain Planet movie. Yeah, okay, so Glenn Powell <laughs> and Leonardo DiCaprio... Well, I definitely did not have that on my, well, in my lifetime, bingo card, in all honesty. The last thing I ever, time I ever even heard anything about Captain Planet 
was literally when I was seven years old. <laughs> well, it's funny, because talking with Yahoo, he was asked if the movie version was still happening, and his response was, I'm glad you asked. Captain Planet <laughs> is definitely something I'm incredibly passionate about. Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio and I have been putting that together for several years. With the recent changes over at Warner Brothers, we're just trying to figure out how the pieces will fall. Mm. It's an environmental superhero, so it's not necessarily part of DC. It exists outside of that world. At the same time, I think the world has never needed an environmental superhero more. So I think it totally fits in with everything that James Gunn and Peter Safran are doing at DC, and Leo and I are very optimistic that we can make something happen. I'd love to play Captain Planet. That'd be sick. <laughs> God, I, I have so many mixed feelings on this. I especially have mixed feelings because I actually did not like the Captain Planet show as a kid. <laughs> no, the show wasn't great, but... That's it. That That's really it. And just imagine... Glenn Powell and his extraordinarily punchable face and blue Captain Planet makeup. Uh, I don't know what it is I have against this man. <laughs> By all accounts, he seems like a gem. Mm -hmm. He seems like a very nice man. <laughs> He's just got a face that you just want to deck him. <laughs> it's like, hey man, you gotta, you seem like a really cool dude. Wapa! It's like, what'd you punch me for? It's like, I don't know. You, you, you seem like a nice guy, and you kind of deserved it. <laughs> and, and, like, I wouldn't because, A, that's rude, and B, he'd kick my ass, probably. <laughs> I don't know why I said probably, definitely. Mm. But I just wanna. <laughs> Anyways, I'd watch a live-action Captain Planet, if only out of extreme morbid curiosity. Yeah, the, the, the morbid curiosity is the thing that's got me interested in it in any capacity in all honesty if only we could get don Cheadle. oh who would don Cheadle play though no he was he was don Cheadle in a captain planet live or he was captain planet in a live action skit or something oh was he oh i didn't yeah, know that i think that's what it was don Cheadle is captain planet or something <laughs> Alrighty. oh yeah it was funny or die oh it was funny or die yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one hmm God, disturbing. Very. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put that. I'm gonna have to put a picture of Don Cheadle as Captain Planet on the <laughs> on the banner this week. Y yes. <laughs> no, I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna send it to you now. Okay. Yeah, because it's like this. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> oh. I did it. I broke him. Oh, I've been broken for for years, love. <laughs> That's fair. That's so bad. When was this? Twenty eleven. Oh, it's so horrible. Is it a just? It looks like his head is photoshopped on. Like honestly, <laughs> hell, it might have been. <laughs> All right, let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's okay. let's move on to something else. Okay. The Golden Globes happened. Indeed. And if I've learned anything from this, it's that I need to watch more movies somehow, because mm -hmm. so many of the winners are things I did not see. <laughs> Fair. However, I do think it's important to note, Ki Hui Kwan won the award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture for his role in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Which I still haven't seen. <laughs> You should. It's a good movie. Oh, I, I mean, I, I physically own it, too. I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, what is that about? I mean, like I have any room to talk. It's like, I want to defend myself, but I also have literally my mess of a game collection sitting next to me that also very much falls into that category. <laughs> no, fair. Michelle Yeoh won Best Performance by an Actress in a Musical 
or comedy motion picture. Mm-hmm. Also for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Right. And Angela Bassett won Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Oh, okay. Yeah, which deserved yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She killed it in there. Just goes to show, because so many other things. Babylon won Best Original Score. Kate Blanchett won Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama for Tar. Right, I didn't see Elvis either. Dang. I just realized that me saying that Angela Bassett killed it in Black Panther Wakanda Forever was probably not the greatest choice of words, all things considered. No, it's fine. <laughs> if you'd said she was killed by it, hmm. that would be something. Yeah, but that wouldn't make sense. No, of course it wouldn't. Mm. Therefore, it's fine. <laughs> so we talked about an Avatar movie coming already, mm -hmm. but there's a second one. Oh, okay. Coming in 2026. Oh, Per Avatar News, it is a Zuko-focused movie. Really? Yes. Okay. I'll watch. Yeah, same, honestly. Get me back to the gang. Yeah. With two A's. You know the one. <laughs> the, term for, the term for Aang's gang. Y yes. No, I'm all for that. I remember, like, enjoying Zuko, especially after he had his change of heart. It was fun to watch him not just try to, like, write himself, but also try and, like, be good and nice and watch it still be like adorably awkward <laughs> hi everyone zuko here <laughs> friend of his is telling it talking to him how about his girlfriend lily turn into the moon zuko that's rough buddy <laughs> oh that was so good <laughs> that was so good <laughs> that was so great <laughs> i still wonder if that was like totally intentional <laughs> I feel like they had something written, and then Zuko might have. Nah, that's that would be doing that would be doing a disservice to the writers of Avatar: The Last Airbender because that show had some really good writing. Oh, a hundred percent. You could tell me it was improvised. You could tell me it was not improvised. I believe either or. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little minor thing. In bigger news, and of course, it's Warner Brothers. Oh boy. Warner Brothers Discovery is looking for potential buyers for the sale of its music library. Really. Yeah. Does that mean that they're looking to have someone sell, buy it so that the library can become, like, publicly available? I don't... No, it depends on who buys it. Hmm. But it includes stuff like the Batman theme. Uh, which one? The one from the Batman? Okay. Okay, cool, cool. That makes that makes more sense. I thought it was going to be although like... <laughs> it might also include it might also include the Batman soundtrack. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, you bought this wonderful library, and then a good portion of it is this one cadence over and over and over in different keys and tempos. Isn't that great? <laughs> no, I yeah. Everybody said I was crazy. <laughs> I did too, and then I saw the movie. It's like, oh my god, he's right. <laughs> yeah. You thought I was crazy, but no, that theme song is fucking everywhere. It's like, especially, like, when the when the um, Batmobile chase starts and they start doing it, it's like, oh my god, it won't shut up. Just a never-ending deluge of, duh, 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 duh. And it's so unfortunate because I do- And I like it! Yeah, I like it too, but it's like, oh my god, it really doesn't stop. Never. <laughs> Not even once. No. I mean, I hope, to an extent, that's kind of what that means. The thing I hope is, I hope this just means the rights to use the music going forward, because can, can, 
I can imagine Warner Brothers being stupid enough to sell off their music library, going to re-release any of the movies with music from that movie, and then finding out that they can't. That would be hilarious. And I can see it happening, if I'm being completely honest. Or even honest. if not, can you imagine somebody buying that library, which is valued at about a billion dollars, and being able to just use the Superman theme for whatever stupid shit that- <laughs> Greg, we need to get a billion dollars. <laughs> I am scared of whatever idea just popped in your head. <laughs> no ideas, just a just a fountain of possibilities. Uh, <laughs> Spewing forth. Like I drank the water in Mexico. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> I don't either. But honestly, now that I think about it, I'm like, oh wait, no. No, there are actually some really terribly good but also objectively terrible ideas that can happen with that oh crap <laughs> so we gotta figure out a quick way to a billion dollars mm. <laughs> I got nothing I, I got nothing guess we're gonna have to let this one go oh well mm. well I don't have nothing but all of but the ideas that come to mind are insanely morally questionable so I don't want to explore them wow <laughs> not necessarily Illegal, but just morally questionable. <laughs> I was just imagining making up a dumbass superhero like Rubber Chicken Man and attaching the Superman theme to it. There would have to be NFTs sprinkled somewhere in there. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Warner Brothers is going to need the money, though, because they're probably going to have to replace their Flash. Oh, really? Well... Ezra Miller pleaded guilty to unlawful trespassing on Friday. Okay. As a part of a plea deal in which they pled guilty, (laughs) they are not being charged with burglary or petite larceny anymore. Oh. If those charges hadn't been dropped, Miller could have been looking at up to 25 years in prison. But, instead, they're paying a $500 fine and facing one year of probation. Are you serious? Yeah. That is horseshit. A little bit. For all the damage and, like, trouble they caused, that that is kind of horseshit. And those charges were only for those things, like, nothing about all the other shit that was going on, allegedly. Uh, Not a word about any of that. That's ridiculous. It is. I mean, I, I will always, 100%, stand by the notion of innocent until proven guilty. And I do not believe in mob justice. I think it's a bad idea. But come the hell on. (laughs) It's right there. It's three feet in front of you. (laughs) I mean, plea deal notwithstanding, it's like, is it for the other things that they did? It's like, was there not enough evidence? Because if that's the case, then I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. Hmm. In any case, one of the conditions of which there are 41. Oof. Included a commitment to continue seeking mental health treatment. And I hope they do. Yes. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I genuinely hope they get help and they can become a better person off of this. However, I'm going to remain incredibly skeptical until I see any evidence. <laughs> yeah. God, it's just a weird dichot- like dichotomy. That's probably not the correct word. Um, Welcome to being rich and famous. I feel like that they should face much heavier punishments because of all the crap that they did. But I would also still prefer them to get the actual help that they needed. Because that is something that 
sucks in general in this country. <laughs> yeah. No matter what your relative price point is, I think it just kind of sucks for everybody involved. I guess I'm not so much mad about the lack of harsh punishment as I am about the fact that you know they only got it because they're a famous actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... I'm not surprised in that particular aspect. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, same. Want to talk trailers? Sure. All right. Only a couple this week that really caught my eye. There was a Gotham Knights trailer, but I didn't feel like watching another one of those after the last one. <laughs> Why would you make a completely new character to be Batman's adopted kid? <laughs> He's got, like, 20! <laughs> but that's not what this is about. Uh, got a... For forever 21? <laughs> Let's talk about Bo is Afraid. Let's... <laughs> Yeah, this is very much an A24 movie in the sense that it is extremely stylistic, and I am confused by everything that shows up on the screen. It feels like a bizarre combination of Alice in Wonderland and Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I feel really bad for describing it this way, especially considering some of the other stuff that A24 has made, a lot of which is quality. But this really does feel like a fever dream of a, of a movie. It does, but I like it. I'm looking forward to it. And part of that is because, and I feel a little ashamed of myself, it's directed by Ari Aster, who also directed Hereditary and Midsummer. I'll be honest, when I saw the Hereditary accolade pop up, I was just like, mmm, bad touch. Bad touch. <laughs> well, the reason I feel ashamed is because I've been talking up Jordan Peele, and rightfully so, because he has made three good horror movies in a row, mm -hmm. and that's nothing to sneeze at. Right. Especially because those are the only films he's made. <laughs> But Hereditary and Midsummer are also the only two feature films that Ari Aster has made. Hmm. And those are both really good. Yeah, Hereditary is a great movie. I I just, I, I never want to see it again in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a case of, I will only ever watch it again if I can subject somebody else to it for the first time. Ah, uh, I, I probably wouldn't even do that, in all honesty. <laughs> I think it would be really fun to watch someone else's reaction to that movie for the first time. Hmm. But then I'm sick like that. Fair. <laughs> Nathan Lane is in this. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the one who gave Joaquin Phoenix's character Bo. He's the one who gave Bo the ankle monitor. Oh, okay. He's the one with the um, with the mustache going on then. Yeah. Okay. That's Nathan Lane. Yeah. But no, this looks very exciting. It looks very warped, very twisted, very... It, it, it absolutely looks like a fever dream, like you said. Mm-hmm. But it's just so delightfully mad when the trailer kind of turned in the halfway point it was taking part place in like the little cartoon world my brain just kind of went okay are we like depraved horror blues clues now like what the hell is going on i could see it mm. i could 100 percent see that <laughs> no i'm very excited this 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 ought to be a good time right when does this come out when's the release date give it to me April 21st. Oh, boy, that's almost a happy birthday to me. Hey, there you go. All right. Can't wait. Mm. It's going to be good. And then, not long after we finished recording last week, the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania dropped. <laughs> uh, Monday Night Football. And I am not scared for Scott Lang, but who boy. I hmm 
honestly, with with the Marvel movies at this point, I'm not gonna. I am absolutely not gonna say that they're a formula by by this point because that's objectively not the case. But it is still the whole thing of like I always get the feeling when watching the trailers like, oh, okay, there's gonna be a massive conflict, and my brain goes, I wonder how they're gonna get themselves out of this. With this trailer, I, I'm actually like, no, I could see Scott Lang or somebody significant dying or just being left in a by Avengers level damn near impossible like rut to get themselves out of yeah especially because there's a ton of ant-mans apparently mm-hmm. uh, enough scott langs to form an ant pile oh the whole bit where he like disintegrates in terms of the worms was actually like ugh. he went to ribbons yeah that oh, was God. that was like not fun to see <laughs> actually no that's nightmare this, fuel <laughs> this trailer is so much more serious than anything i expected from an ant-man oh yeah and how about jonathan majors as kang yeah, though, no, I was actually getting ready to comment on that. He, I unfortunately don't have as much to pull from from Kang the Conqueror, because I'm not really familiar with Kang the Conqueror. Insert Greg with any, almost any Marvel hero or villain anywhere. But in this, it's like, okay, this is genuinely a little terrifying. I can't wait for whenever the moment pops up where it turns out there's one Marvel character who, I don't know why, but you have some deep secret knowledge of. <laughs> Where it pops up and you just start spitting facts and it's just... <laughs> I'm trying... I can't wait. I'm, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. It might, because I know there's definitely been times where I've... I'm not going to say spent significant amounts of time on the Marvel Wiki, but definitely there's been quite a few times where I've just like just popped on to look up a character that showed up in one of the Marvel movies or shows I never heard of, and it sends me down like a rabbit hole of quick browsing through like, scanning over, like, articles about people. So, who knows? The, the, It'll do that. Yeah, the annoying thing is that I can't think of anyone in particular right now. <laughs> I know, I mean, I think you beat me to it, but I remember when we watched Captain Falcon and the Winter, and the Winter Soldier, it's like... Captain Falcon. <laughs> Hush. When U.S. Agent showed up, my brain went, Oh, that's U.S. Agent. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just have... It, it'll be especially funny if it's a character that you don't give a shit about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just Maybe like... I don't know who that is. Yeah. And you just start... <laughs> it's like, oh, it's this guy. <laughs> That's cool. It's like, tell me more about 8-Ball. <laughs> He's a character in Armored Core. Or uh, <laughs> Fritz von Meyer, a.k.a. Swarm, the Nazi made of bees. <laughs> the Nazi made of bees. <laughs> Not the bees. Welcome to Spider-Man villains. They're fucking weird. Oh, goodness gracious. But no, this... This is also exciting. Hmm. But also... uh, I don't feel like they'd kill off Scott, but they could, I guess. Especially because Paul Rudd does not look it, but he's getting up there. Isn't he? Isn't... He's past 55 at this point, right? No, he's 53, but still. Yeah, no, like, still, like, even with that, the man takes exceptional care of himself. Yeah, no, love to know his secret. Yeah, same. People Magazine Sexiest Man Alive 2021. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We also got MODOK! Which one was MODOK? The giant floating head. Okay, I saw that pop up, and I'm like, I know I've seen you before, but I cannot remember who you are. Yeah, that's Modoc. Pat Oswalt had a whole series where he voiced Modoc on Hulu. Did he? Yeah. 
it didn't get much attention because it was right when Marvel TV was getting shut down because Marvel Studios was taking over the whole thing. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this is the first I'm hearing about this. <laughs> God, if there's one casualty of that era who I miss, it's Hitmonkey. <laughs> I forgot about Hitmonkey. I never watched any of it. That was a Netflix. We're going to have to fix that at some point. Hulu. What? Oh, that was Hulu? I thought that was Netflix. Hulu. Mm. I'll reactivate my Hulu just for Hitmonkey. <laughs> okay. Huh. We also got one very brief instance where we saw Modok without the face covering and mm. saw his actual face, and it does look like it's Corey Stoll as Darren Cross, aka Yellow Jacket. Oh, really? So he's been turned into a little floating headman baby. That's actually horrifying. Right? <laughs> but it couldn't have happened to a nicer fella. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm actually not so much looking forward to a lot of the big CGI explosion battle fights, but I am very much interested in seeing what's the deal with all the Scott Langs. Like, are they him from slightly out-of-sync time points, or are they all alternate universe Scott Langs? Mm-hmm. What happened to that one guy who went to who went to Ribbons? <sighs> what on earth prompts Kang and Ant-Man to just start throwing hands? I mean, when the whole bit is introduced about Kang offering Scott time, I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it, young blood. It's a bad Oh no, I just mean what 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 leads to them getting into a fist fight? Yeah, I'm curious about that. I, I I'm gonna be honest, I do not have money on Scott Lang in that one. Me neither, but Yeah, me neither. Mm. So we got just about a month until that comes out. Okay. That's very exciting. Can't mm. wait to kick off Phase 5. Oh, that's going to be the movie that starts Phase 5? Indeed it is. Okay. Unless Secret Invasion comes out beforehand. Hmm. In which case, that'll kick off Phase 5. Hmm, okay. They could just they could just drop it, make it a real Secret Invasion, who knows? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past Marvel. Nah. Not at all. <laughs> I think that's trailer time wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk box office. Alrighty. Neither one of us saw the highest grossing movie this weekend. Because it's still Avatar. It's still Avatar. <laughs> Took in $32.4 million domestically this weekend for a $572.4 million domestic total, and it is now at $1.9 billion worldwide. Hmm. Second place, Megan again. $18.2 million domestically for a $60.2 million domestic total and $94.4 million worldwide. They are apparently already talking sequel. Yeah, no, because the, the movie had a budget of, what, $12 million? Yeah. No, they... So I don't blame them. Yeah, they they must be rolling right now. They're so happy. Yeah, like taking money baths and everything. So am I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. I mean, I'm happy. Not that I'm taking money baths. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, where do you have the money for that? <laughs> Third place. We got, <laughs> we got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Okay. <laughs> Took in $14.3 million domestically this weekend for a $112 million domestic total and $253 million worldwide. $90 million budget, so it's making some money, which... Good for it. Maybe I'll still catch it at some point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Fourth place, A Man Called Otto. Mm-hmm. $12.8 million domestically for a $21.5 million domestic total and $36 million worldwide. And in fifth place, honestly, I'm kind of surprised. 
It's plain. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Took in $10.2 million this weekend and is sitting at a $12 million total. It apparently has not released worldwide. Alrighty. So I guess, that being said, tell us about Plane, since you're the one who saw that one. <laughs> Alright, so Plane is one of the movies ever. <laughs> no. Ah, very good. It's I didn't think Morbius would have a contender. <laughs> no, no, this movie's better than Morbius. Okay, so Morbius still holds its throne. Yeah. Yes, no, I would still say this movie is better than Morbius. The problem is that, well, okay, let me at least give a summary first, which is communicated just instantly by the trailers anyway, so if you've seen the trailers, this is nothing new. But the long and short of it is that Gerard Butler plays a commercial pilot who is trying to take a group of, like, us low load of 14 passengers to just, like, a standard um, trip from the Philippines to Tokyo to I don't remember where their final stop is because it doesn't matter in this movie. Go through a storm. The storm damages the plane. They have to land on a remote island, and this remote island is run by anti-government militias, separatists, all this fun stuff. He has to in invoke the help of actual, well, not literally convicted felon in real life, but in the movie, convicted murderer Mike Coulter to escape, or at least to survive until they can escape. Together they fight crime. Uh, they commit crimes to fight crime. <laughs> All right, even better. <laughs> Honestly, I don't feel incredibly comfortable saying this because I don't feel like I've seen enough movies to really say this in different genres, but I do feel like this is a very by-the-books movie. Like, it is not bad, but it's also not anything particularly special. It is... It is your kind of, like, bog-standard, run-of-the-mill action movie where, you know, our heroes are put against, like, insurmountable odds. It's a race of survival, but also to save the people that they are responsible for. How will our heroes survive? It's not bad. It is not bad. It's, I would say, I can't recommend seeing it, but I also can't recommend not seeing it. I will say it is very fun to watch Mike Coulter and Gerard Butler interact with each other, because that is like kind of the, like the main portion of the movie, is the two of them teaming up to try and survive and figure out a way to get help, and some of the shenanigans, not shenanigans per se, because it's not like comedic in any sense, but it is fun to kind of see them go around and, you know, as they're trying to go through this camp and rescue their people, murder hobo their way through the camp. Ah, <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> like stealth murder hobo. How is the murder hoboing? It's interesting to watch because Mike Coulter's character, to start with him, his whole thing is that he's a convicted murderer that was found by the FBI in Singapore. But we find out later on, and again, hinted at through the movie, that he has a military background. Or hinted at in the trailer, so he has a military background, nothing crazy there. And Gerard Butler is just motivated by, I have to keep my passengers safe and I have to get back to my family. So because of those, to be fair, completely understandable goals, he is also like, these people are going to kill us? All right, yeah, I don't want to murder Hobo, but I'll murder Hobo a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Just a tad bit of murder hoboing. Yeah. A light spot of murder hoboing before bed. Yeah. There's not really much to talk about outside of that without getting into spoiler territory. But the only thing I can really say about this movie overall is that it's fine. I have no idea this like 20 times already. It is genuinely not a bad movie. 
I can't say it's worth the $12, but it's also not the worst spending of $12 or what have you on a movie that I have ever personally, like, partaken in. I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time trying to give a balanced opinion of this movie while also trying to communicate not great, not terrible. And I feel like I'm making it a bad time because of that. Yeah, no, man. The average movies are the hardest ones to talk about. Yeah. Because it's just nothing. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, one of the things that did get me about this movie is that to get to the actual like enjoyable parts of the movie, the initial setup of the movie has some really stupid shit. And I feel like that's kind of a good enough segue to go into spoiler territory for this movie. Yeah, all right. If you don't want to be spoilered on plane for whatever reason. <laughs> stop listening. We'll we'll have another segment where I talk about the movies that I saw. Mm -hmm. And that'll be time-stamped. But, uh, so skip ahead to that in three, two, one. Sling me up some of them nasty spoilers. So the whole reason that they get put into this bad situation is because as they're getting ready for takeoff, there is a tropical storm type of system going on that's going to be over top their intended flight path because it's Southeast Asia. And this kind of stuff happens like on a weekly basis as if they're NASCAR races. That's kind of the general makeup of the weather systems down there. Like, it's not a shock. And they went anyway. Huh? And they went anyway. And the thing is, is that Gerard Butler's a a character actually mentions it because he's talking to the um, person who works for his airline company about the flight. And Gerard Butler's character says, hey, this path is taking us directly through this thunderstorm and it looks pretty severe. We should take this alternate route. It'll add an hour onto our time, but it'll be safer. And the guy an goes- An hour. Yes, an hour. <laughs> On an already six-hour flight. You're, you're kind of stuck there anyway. But the guy who's, who's like created the route and approved the route just kind of pauses for a second and goes, No, go through the storm anyway. It's only 14 people and we're doing a light load of, of fuel anyway. It'll be fine. Like, that's literally... an hour. <laughs> that's literally it. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, sir, you are genuinely too incompetent to be left alive. <laughs> does he die? Please tell me he dies. He unfortunately does not die. God damn it. Because <laughs> he is actually safe in like New York City or whatever. But yeah. No comeuppance. Fuck. They take off and Gerard Butler is joined by a very green co-pilot from Hong Kong, who is honestly a really cool dude in this movie. I'm ashamed to say that I don't remember the actor's name. But he's a really good time in the movie, trying to, like, do the best he can to help the captain in all of this. One of the things that I wrote down about him, and I was very thankfully proven wrong about this, but I did write some notes after I saw the movie. And one of the first things that we see of him is, like, he has a picture of his family that he puts on his, like, joystick in the plane. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that's a cute picture. You're so fucking dead. Oh. <laughs> That's such a death flag. Yeah, it's like that was a major death flag. It's like, all right, <laughs> I guess we're getting into this now. <laughs> but he actually does survive. So I was kind of glad to be proven wrong on that. Oh, that's nice. But then, you know, the whole, there's there's like a whole bunch of crap that happens between them like taking off, hitting the storm, and then landing on the island. A lot of it's general action movie stuff. Two people do get killed. After the plane is struck by lightning because they get out of their seats with, I mean, unstrapped their seatbelts. One of which is the cough that 
is watching Mike Coulter's character, and I actually wrote down for him, because the whole reason he got up is because he's texting something on his phone. It's actually never revealed what he was texting on his phone that was so important that he had to get up while the plane is going absolutely nuts in a, in a thunderstorm. But I wrote down for him, because he unbuckles his seatbelt to get to his phone, and one of the stewardesses like tells him, Sir, you need to get back in your seat and buckle up. And he goes, No, I still have minutes on my international phone plan. <laughs> He said that. He did not say that, but that's what happened okay. in my brain. Okay. Because it's like, okay, you are actually an idiot. And then he, he gets hit on the head because the plane goes nuts and he dies. You know what I think he was doing? Mm. I think he was texting people telling him to go see plane. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, they land on this island. They have no idea where they are. We cut to a scene of the actual airline company discussing the fact that this plane has disappeared and they're grilling the guy who actually approved the flight plan and the person in charge of the company goes okay why did you have them go through the storm and he just goes it's company protocol i'm like are you serious it's like all right this entire airline is too incompetent to be left alive no you know what <laughs> after the whole southwest debacle mm -hmm. i believe it yeah it's like you I 100% believe it. It's company protocol to drive through a typhoon. Okay. But they more or less determine that the plane probably isn't actually down. Or, like, no crash or anything. It's probably, like, actually landed somewhere. They just need to figure out a way to find it. Eventually, through, like, exposition and talking to people and some form of development of the plot, they figure out, okay, we know roughly where they are. We know, like, that they're alive and that the plane is intact. So we need to figure out a plan. Would you like to guess what they ultimately land on? Do nothing? Mercenaries. <laughs> the airline. The airline hires mercenaries to look for Gerard Butler and his passengers. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and I did actually write down for that. I was like, you know what? I, yeah, I did not have that on the bingo card for this movie. <laughs> no. Nah. I'll be honest. Great. Now I feel like I have to go see it. <laughs> it's general action movie stuff, one of the things that, because we meet the terrorists at one point, and we see, like, all their weapons and their equipment and everything, and at a certain point, my brain goes, these are the most well-equipped anti-government terrorists I have ever seen in my life. Because usually in these movies, you see them broken down, like, M16s, technicals, and whatnot. It's like, no, these guys have, granted, their old post-Vietnam War M16s, but they have M16s, RPG rifles, ammunition out the wazoo, and they also have Jeeps, like actual, like relatively modern Jeep Wranglers, Nissan SUVs, stuff like that. And all of them are clean. And that is actually something that took me out of the movie a little bit. Because it's like, okay, is this like a terrorist group or a Formula One team? Because holy shit. <laughs> all right, where'd you get the props? They literally have, and this, and keep in mind, this is an isolated island in the Philippines that is so dangerous that the actual professional Filipino army will not go there because these militias keep on killing their guys. Huh. And they have, like, an actual... I can't think of any other word to describe the bus, but they have, like, an actual, like, stripper bus that they use to, like, transport the hostages. It's not literally, like, a stripper bus inside, but it's kind of the buses you associate with those kind of activities, shall we say. Yeah, all right. And at that point especially, it's like, where do you guys get this shit? I had so many more questions about how they came to be, how they have their stuff and whatnot. 
But then after that, blah, 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 exposition, 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 nobody cares. We kind of get to the final bit where Gerard Butler meets up with the mercenaries and they're trying to figure out a way to fight fight off the terrorists while they're getting the plane up and running. Because the best possible route in a movie called Plane is to escape on the freaking plane. Of course. Mike Coulter's character volunteers more or less to stay behind on the island because... You know, he's like, okay, I, you know there's no way I'm coming back. And to be honest, he's doing a great job killing the terrorists that are trying to kill them. But <laughs> one little bit that actually did make me laugh, because one of the things that the terrorists take with them on this adventure is a bag filled with $500,000 cash. In the event that they get caught, they figure they can use the cash to kind of like buy their way out of whatever situation they get in. Well, Mike Coulter finds the bag of cash during the firefight. And the leader of the mercenary group, as they're trying to, like, board the plane to, like, escape, he's calling over to Mike Coulter. He's like, hey, come on, man, we gotta go. And Mike Coulter just, like, bolts, grabs the money, looks at the guy and runs, and the uh, and the leader of the mercenaries just tilts his head as if to say, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't really get mad at the guy because I'm pretty sure the merc- the leader of the mercenaries did not know that Mike Coulter was a criminal facing extradition. But, yeah, it was just really funny because he just, like, tilted his head and be like, Nani? <laughs> it's like, a- oh, and it just goes back to shooting the guys. Quick caveat, I guess, because... The movie, the movie does the whole thing like, oh, how are our heroes going to get out of this? And they miraculously survive. This is the only movie I can think of where the movie has a pretty solid depiction of, and this is just a full like me nerd thing of the M82 rifle, aka if you've played Call of Duty, the the Barrett 50 caliber, because the things that's usually done in like movies and video games and with this is that the gun is used as a sniper rifle but it's actually supposed to be an anti-material rifle used for stopping vehicles. And when this, when the mercenaries fo- first whip out this gun, that's what they use it for to just kill the v- cars used by the terrorist for about five minutes. And then it, they just use it as a sniper rifle, although it's a sniper rifle with like really gnarly kills. Like this dude is like shooting at the terrorists through cars and the bullet punches through cars and sends the guys that it hits crashing into the car that's right behind them okay this is really stupid but that's still kind of (laughs) cool yeah and then you know they they escape the island they run over the leader of the terrorists with the front tires of the plane (laughs) all right that's a way to kill the big boss you know just barely make it to a friendly airfield by the skin of their teeth um this plane must have the brakes of an actual fighter jet landing on a catapult because it's just, in both times in the movie where the plane has to come to a rapid stop, the movie just does this thing of, like, screen shake, screen shake, screen shake. Oh, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? And just complete stop with no screen shake. And Wow. I've never flown a commercial plane, but I'm pretty confident saying that's not how planes work. <laughs> I will say, as my last little bit, there was actually a thing that made me go... Oh my god, I wish Cody was here with me. Oh no. And that is, like, at the beginning of the movie when they do, like, all the credentials for, like, the studios and all that. I figured there'd be some kind of cinematic opening showing the island and the people who are on the island or something about the Gerard Butler's character. But it just has a black screen and in white letters the word plain appears. (laughs) And I'm like, 
Oh, I wish Cody was here right now. <laughs> this would be a lot more fun if Cody was here. <laughs> but yeah, and that's plain. I probably went on for, about it for longer than it deserved, in all honesty. That's <laughs> eh, fine. So, I saw several movies this week. Two of them theatrical. Two of them were just an attempt to catch up with franchises that I'm behind on that have movies coming out later this year. I won't talk about those, though, because this is already this is already going. Right. But the two theatrical movies I saw were Skinamarink and The Devil Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So, I'm... <sighs> you know what? It's probably easier if I just do this one at a time. So, I'm gonna start with Skinamarink. I don't know if I like this movie. Hmm. And I probably never need to watch this movie again. <laughs> but I don't dislike it. Okay. I respect what it's going for. Because what it's going for is to be the entire way through a movie representation of that fuzzy, vague childhood memory that doesn't seem right. Hmm. And that weirds you out thinking about it. Hmm. The whole thing feels like a nightmare you vaguely remember from when you were young. I just want to make sure. This is the one where they're stuck inside of the house where the doors are disappearing, right? Yeah. Okay. The whole movie is slow. Hmm. It's very slow. And it's hard to talk about in specifics without really giving stuff away. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, it feels like a weird late-night Adult Swim bumper of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lo-fi playing in it no because it's set in 1995 oh never mind then yeah and the two kids kaylee and kevin you know this is probably spoilers all right so it's spoiler I'm gonna time cu- i'm gonna cut that part <laughs> yes i'm gonna cut that part Alrighty. so yeah i don't i don't really know how to describe it it's staticky there's a lot of film grain on it it looks like it was recorded on a video camera. It's the epitome of shot on shittio, but <laughs> it's for a purpose beyond just being cheap. Although this movie had a $15,000 budget, so it's also to be cheap. Did it now? Yeah, 15000 Oh my. I also have to say real quick, shot on shittio, I, that is actually the first time I've ever heard that phrase. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's... I'm very surprised. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to have heard that. Yeah, whatever this is supposed to be, I'm not sure it really works as an hour, 40-minute movie. In fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Mm. But I do respect the attempt, because it's uneasy. I don't really know if a horror movie is even the right word for it, because it's less... There's horror moments, but on the whole, it's more just uneasy. Is it just a suspense movie incarnate, basically? I wouldn't call it suspense, because... No, there are... There... There's enough horror moments, I guess, that it's still a horror movie, but on the whole, the vibe is just uncomfortable. Hmm. It's the kind of movie that you'd expect somebody to go missing while watching it, and then you put the tape in your VHS player, and then you go missing by the end of it. (sighs) But most of the time, it's just, it's slow. Okay. And I feel like I'm trying to get into a broken record, so I'm gonna get ready to get into spoilers. Final verdict is, it's, it's weird. And I recommend watching it if you're into weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But don't expect anything too crazy. And with that being said, if you don't want to be spoiled on Skinamarink, fast forward to the Devil Conspiracy section in 3, 2, 1. So, I cannot for the life of me figure out what this is. 
Okay. My my early guess was it was abusive or absentee parents, but I don't think that really pans out. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the movie, the dad's on the phone with somebody, and he mentions that Kevin fell down some stairs not that long ago and hurt his head, but he's doing all right, didn't even need stitches. So then I started thinking maybe it was a head injury or something, like maybe the whole thing's a hallucination. I don't know. But there's very few actual scares. Okay. About halfway through the movie, I think, it's hard to tell, because the idea is that they realize they're stuck in the house, and it's also staying dark well past when it should be. Hmm. So they just kind of set up a nest in the living room with all their toys and stuff and just put cartoons on. And are just watching that nonstop. Mm-hmm. But then more weird stuff starts to happen, like a chair ends up on the ceiling in the kitchen, dining room. Another weird thing about this movie is that the characters are never actually the focus of the frame. Usually it's focused on ceiling corners or walls or the floor. And you can see like their feet or something, but you never really see their faces dead on. Mm, kind of sounds like... How, like, in The Invisible Man, there was always those scenes where they would shift the camera to something else, even though it looked like there was nothing going on in that shift. Yeah, yeah, like that. Hmm. Much like that. That's actually most of what this movie is. It's focusing on the nothing and getting you... Getting that sinking feeling of dread coming for something that doesn't really pop up. Hmm. There are some jump scares. There's one involving their mom, who I didn't even realize lived with them, apparently, until this scene in the... where she shows up. Mm-hmm. There's a... Oh, God. Even even now, I don't really want to go too deep into spoilers, but the the girl loses her face. Whew. Yeah, her, she, her eyes don't open anymore. She doesn't have a mouth. We never see her again after that. It turns out, it, apparently it's some kind of entity that's trapped them in there. Mm. and has just apparently keeps torturing them over and over again. Mm. But it's very ambiguously done. It's so weird. It's such a weird fucking movie. Mm. And there's no big, like, climactic action scene. The ending goes on a little too long because of how ambiguous it is. Okay. There was a bit where I was pretty sure that they murdered the four-year-old. Oh. Oh, God. I don't think they did. I think now, looking at it more, the implication is it's just an eternal torture loop. Mm. Because there's one point before then where the cartoon where the cartoon they're watching keeps rewinding to a certain scene. Mm. And I was wondering what the significance was, and now I realize, okay, it's to imply that this thing can loop time around. Oh, that now that's evil. Apparently it had this thing going for 572 days, if one caption is any indication. <laughs> so it's been like like a year and Almost three... Almost two years. Yeah, like a year and three quarters then. Something like that. Ugh. Disgusting. Yeah, it's... It's a strange one. It's a little too long for its own good, but again, I, I do see what it was going for, and I... I like what it was going for, I like the idea, I just feel like it... It's, it's a thing where, okay, yeah, somebody might as well have tried it at one point. What happens if you do this? Uh, turns out, not great, but you know what? Worth a, worth a shot. I will say, obviously, I haven't seen the movie, but I will say, like, between the trailers and the things I was reading on it, it's like, is this going to be, like, an actual, like, full feature release? Because I could see this being, like, an hour-long, like, sh- short film. You could have cut it to ten, mm. if I'm honest. 
Oh, really? <laughs> you could have cut it to ten and kept pretty much exactly the same bare bones of it all. Oh, that's not encouraging. <laughs> okay, maybe fifteen twenty. Hmm. So yeah, that's Skinnerick, I suppose. It's it's weird. Okay. It's a weird one. The Devil Conspiracy, on the other hand, just straight up sucked. <laughs> Alright. This sounds like fun. Absolutely terrible. It is directed by Nathan Frankowski, the same guy who made stuff like Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. Oh, what? It's a propaganda movie protesting the fact that intelligent design isn't taught in schools. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. Okay. And it's a movie where a group of devil worshippers have figured out how to clone historical figures from just little bits of DNA, and they get their hands on the Shroud of Turing because they want to use Jesus' DNA to... They want to impregnate a woman with, the, with a fertilized egg with the Jesus DNA so that Lucifer can possess the baby... What the fuck? Because apparently, <laughs> apparently a baby of Jesus' DNA is the only thing that can withstand his possession for a lengthy period of time. Wait. Wait, I, wait, I'm sorry. They want to make a baby that has Jesus' DNA and have Lucifer try to take, Lucifer try to take over the baby, even though it's been established that anything with Jesus' DNA is pretty much the only thing that can stand up against Lucifer. Am I understanding that correctly? Congratulations, you're you're about <laughs> five steps ahead of the bad guys. <laughs> so stupid! That's gonna fail from the get go. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what? Actually, fuck it. I'm just gonna go straight into spoilers for this one. It's bad. <laughs> It's so fucking stupid. It sounds hilariously stupid. <laughs> it's inane. It's... <laughs> so many little things in this movie make me so angry. The action is pedestrian. Mm. For a movie, and I don't think this part's a spoiler because it's in the trailer, where the Archangel Michael possesses a guy's body and apparently can do otherworldly things. It's really fucking tame. Oh, really? He uses guns. It's the Archangel Michael. He doesn't need guns. Apparently he does. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dumb movie. It's it's dumb, it's awful, it's just... It's, it's gross. It's really gross. It's really uncomfortable. I'm guessing gross as in, like, gore? Not gore, it's gross as in... It's uncomfortable. Hmm. The whole thing is about finding... Part, part of the whole plot is finding somebody to carry the... Jesus Satan baby. <laughs> you can imagine. <sighs> that does not sound like fun. And it's so unpleasantly desaturated. I tried taking notes, but the lighting is so bad for that movie that I couldn't even see what I was writing, even during daytime scenes. Oh my. <laughs> you know what I mean. It's got that awful blue filter where everything looks like it's trying to be day for night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like it's a horrendously overcast day. Mm -hmm. It's just the worst. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna really dig into this movie now. If it don't 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 see it. Yeah, this sounds bad. Like, this sounds like a don't bother unless you just wanna watch something that sounds hilariously bad. 
It's not even hilariously bad. <laughs> There's a few attempts at humor in this, and I didn't laugh at any of it. Mm. Not a single joke. So on the off chance you don't want more spoilers for the Devil Conspiracy, 3, 2, 1, yeah, turns out Jesus' baby ends up imprisoning Lucifer rather than Lucifer possessing it. Oh, see, it's, God, I feel disappointed by that even though it makes sense. <laughs> you know the even dumber part? Mm-hmm. I didn't figure that out. Really? <laughs> I was watching the whole movie like, how are they gonna, and then it turns out the trick is, oh no, this baby's gonna be the one that binds Lucifer, not the other way around. It's just, oh, fuck me. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing happened because the bad guys were too fuck, ah. <laughs> God damn it. Uh. And there's so, it's such a confusing movie because, okay, so, so Michael comes down, he possesses this guy's body, and he's talking to a couple of the other priests, and he says he needs a car, he needs a car, and they point out he, his host body has a car. So he gets the keys, and he's walking out in the parking lot, and there's a couple of, like, sportier looking cars in the parking lot. He hits the button to make the car do the beep beep thing, and it's this rickety fucking four door old car, and he just sighs and goes, priests. And I'm just, I'm fuming in my seat, like, what do you give a fuck? Why does Michael care about cars? Why does Michael need a car? Aren't you supposed to be a... He needs a car so he can, like, transportation or something, because mm. I guess he's still limited in his moral body, which begs the question of why he even bothered possessing one in the first place. Yeah. Unless, like, that's a limitation, but the movie never really brought it up. Yeah. So, but I'm mostly <laughs> just mad about, why do you care about how lame the car is? You're the fucking archangel. Shouldn't you be above this kind of petty bullshit? He's probably like, wait, when I visited the Vatican, that was in Italy. I thought all the priests had Ferraris now. <laughs> Hell, if anything, you should be more impressed, because clearly this guy didn't care about status. Hmm. He is foregoing attachment to the material or whatever. I don't know. Is that, is that, is I, that I don't, Christian? I don't know. I don't fucking know. It feels like the kind of thing you should be impressed by, though, right? I, I would assume so, yeah. And then he finds this guy who just, I think he was a, he was a member of the clergy or something, and then he went round the bend, but it turns out he was right, and he starts telling him about all these scripture prophecies about the beast of the ground and about the bad guy's plans, and it's just like, if all of this is in the scriptures, why does Michael need you to explain it to him? Isn't that basically his employee handbook? Is Michael supposed to be the audience? Shouldn't he know this? <laughs> the bad guy's plot makes no sense either, to me at least, because... They they apparently have been cloning historical figures like Vivaldi and Michelangelo, and they're 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 cloned as babies, right? Like his kids. Okay. <laughs> and he's just auctioning them off to wealthy people, and all I what? can think is, okay, no, hold on. <laughs> okay. This is the part that confuses me. Mm. Okay, I know you want to make sure the cloning technology works, but after the first one. <laughs> Couldn't you just raise money by fucking lying and saying that they're clones? I'm pretty sure it'd be cheaper to just teach a kid how to play the violin super well and say it's Vivaldi. <laughs> uh, my That's what I'd do if I was a fucking devil worshipper with cloning technology. Forget morally ambiguous. This movie sounds morally non morally non-existent. <laughs> no, everybody's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Except for the except for the main woman, the the poor lady who has to carry the baby, because early on the movie starts with her being a skeptic who's 
I guess, studying abroad in Italy, and her professor rejects her dissertation because apparently it's about, you know, there's no such thing as angels and devils, it's all symbolic. Mm-hmm. And he said, that would make for a boring movie and an arrogant dissertation. And I wrote that line down because <laughs> it just kind of stuck with me, and it's the perfect summation of this. It's a boring movie and an arrogant dissertation. Was the movie trying to be self-aware in that scene? I don't even know! Because, <laughs> like, that's bad. Because <laughs> at first I thought, oh, fuck me, it's another God's Not Dead but with action scenes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it didn't really turn out to be that, I guess. Okay. Except for with the... I don't know. <laughs> The number of times I muttered Jesus Christ during this <laughs> gross, dumb, unpleasantly desaturated movie. Did you keep count? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, it's so... Apparently hell is just, like, there's a portal, but it can only be opened through this specific hole in the ground, and you gotta crank the shaft open or something? Yeah, crank that shaft. Sorry. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Good job. <laughs> And then there's a bunch of, I guess they were sacrificing kids to Satan before as vessels, and they couldn't handle the power, and that, and then they all end up in hell? No, I'm not going to make the joke that just came to my head, because... And then Michael ends up saving them. <laughs> Michael ends up saving them at the end, but it's just also a case of, like, why is this here? Why is any of this here? There's, there's supposed to be a demon that Satan's servant, and it just looks like a fucking... It's a, it's, it's a dumb, awful-looking Skeksis motherfucker. <laughs> so what I'm here- I hate this so much. I was just say, this is- Oh, God. It's unfortunate because based on you ranting about this, I have to be honest, I am now incredibly morbidly curious about this movie. Well, I'm never sitting through it again, so you're off the hook, fortunately. I mean, it's one its one of those things where it's like, I don't think I would see it, but I'm so curious about it now, just because it sounds like, as fucked up as it sounds, it sounds extremely fucked up. This does sound like one of the things where I would probably be, sit through it, be deeply uncomfortable, but just do nothing but shit on it the entire time. <laughs> I don't know, give me, like, six months. And a few beers. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. If I see enough movies, I'm sure I'll forget about it eventually. Mm. Then I'll just listen to this podcast again and just be like, oh, right, yeah, this is terrible. (laughs) The most memorable moment for me is the lead female protagonist chugging bleach. to 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 try to get Satan out of her. So to kill herself. Yeah. And Satan. <laughs> I really shouldn't laugh at that, but... Nah. Uh, God, no, I... God, I hate this because, like, all of this sounds really fucked up. So I hate that I'm laughing at some really fucked up stuff. But because of how dumb it sounds, for in my brain at least, it just circles right, right around to being so incredibly ridiculous that I can't help but laugh at it. There's a whole shtick of Michael needing his sword or something, because it's the weapon he used to imprison Lucifer, and I guess it's got all kinds of holy power or whatever, and he reclaims it when he's in hell and just his regular angel guys after he sheds the mortal guys, and then he leaves hell, and he's back in his mortal body, and he doesn't have the sword. I'm significantly more curious about how his sword, I'm guessing his most powerful weapon, 
ended up in hell to begin with. He used it to trap Lucifer in chains or something, I don't fucking know. Mm. I was too busy trying to see. Fair. Because for as bad as the movie is in terms of its lighting and saturation and filters and what have you, when it gets to hell, you might say everything goes to hell. Oh boy. It's worse. (laughs) It's so much worse. It's dark. It's still washed out blue. There's dust or snow or I don't even fucking know what kicking up all over the place. Can't see shit, Captain. Mm. It's a bad movie. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I got it in me to do multiple movies for the podcast in one week. No. After I, this. No, I, I I wouldn't blame you in that sense. I think I'm doing it for my own edutainment. After this, the the grand triple the, triple feature experiment. <laughs> Indeed. Anyways, next week, I don't know. There's st- I I hate how hard it is to get show times for some things because Infinity Pool's already got show times, or at uh, least shows that it's coming out. Mm-hmm. Fears coming out apparently, but that's the week after next week. As far as I can tell, our options are potentially Alice Darling. Women talking or missing. Hmm. And if I had to pick one, it would probably be Alice Darling. Okay. That's but the that's the Christina Hendrick or Anna Kendrick one, right? Christina Hendricks, yes. <laughs> Whoops. It is it is the Anna Kendrick one. Okay. But who knows? Maybe maybe I'll develop some kind of inoperable brain condition and decide to go watch Missing instead. Hmm. I say only because I'm so sick of, what are they called? Computer screen movies? Computers. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I feel like that's an adequate term to describe them. I forget what they're called. The only one that was decent that I've seen was Unfriended. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember if I... I don't remember if I genuinely thought that was decent or if I ironically thought that was decent. Okay, so apparently, I just looked this up. Apparently, the... The name for this is Screen Life. Jesus like the, Christ. Like the genre is called Screen Life or Computer Screen Film. Yeah, oh my God. Because <laughs> if you recall, Profile was one of those. Yes, it was. Still glad that we saw that movie in an empty theater. <laughs> Same. That was a treat. That was a treat. Guarantee we won't get that for missing. Oh, no. In any case... Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much Make for sure being here. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. If you saw any of these movies, let us know what you thought. If you saw something else, like A Man Called Otto or House Party, let us know what you thought of those. Yes, please. <laughs> this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. The Scarlet Troll. And Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we will catch you guys next week. Alright. Bye-bye. Bye.